1: You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com. Folks, as for the thefireplacechurch.org, I want to remind you that we have moved to a live Format. What that means is that we are now doing it with our web conferencing software and it's no longer being streamed on the FireplaceChurch.org website on Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you want to be part of the community that is growing at the Fireplace Church, just go to BrideMovement.com, click on Classes and Events, you will find a class called The Fireplace Church Live. Sign up for that with just your email, and that way we'll send you a direct link to our service. That's how you can participate. Uh, if you are going to our website at thefireplacechurch.org, that is not running um, our weekly produced services because we're changing direction soon. Everything will be updated in so far as our web presence, so um, you can look forward to that. Now, I am really excited to tell you that we have an upcoming conference, Bride Ministries. And it's going to be called Sheep Nations and the End of the Age Number 2, or Part 2. And look, guys, that's going to be a three-day conference, August 18th, 19th, and 20th. You don't want to miss that. It's going to get into so many cool subjects. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to read a few off to you so you know what I mean. We're going to be talking about the Olivet Discourse, the Gospel of the Kingdom, Um, the abomination of desolation, the mark of the beast, giborim, transhumanism, posthumanism, the seal of the living God. Um, We're going to be talking about different parables, the parable of the virgin, um, the parable of the faithful and wicked servants. We're going to be talking about judgments Um, We're going to be answering so many questions and of course we're going to be climaxing on the actual subject. What are sheep nations? What does that mean? What is coming to the earth through the body of Christ? What is God's mandate? Lord, and, and you know, I am just really excited about this subject. It's something very close to my heart, a centerpiece of why I do what I do and follow my calling. You know, we deal with a lot of Spiritual warfare stuff, a lot of deliverance stuff, a lot of healing stuff. But there is a bigger picture to all of that. You don't just heal and get delivered just to be healed and delivered. There is a bigger picture. We are getting people healed and delivered so they can become active in their callings and mandates for God and what's the big picture of that what are God what is God doing in the earth through the people he is redeeming well we're're we we're, we're, we're learning so I want to encourage you if you haven't signed up for the conference yet sign up bride movementcom just go to our classes and events if you're on our web or email list you received an email with a direct link to sign up I want to encourage you to do that now I want to take a moment and say thank you to those of you that continue to support us financially. Uh, We are going to be bringing on a business manager and I'm very excited about that. And uh, that's going to well allow us to do more because I'm going to have another set of hands helping with all of the ministry stuff and and uh, our, our responses are going to be getting better as well for those of you that have been you know writing in especially with um lengthier questions there has been uh, an inability on my part to even get back to some of you and and i do apologize about that it's just too much so um but you know with help back on board we're going to begin to do better. <laughs> and and I, you know, I just want to say thank you for those of you that continue to support us because you make things like this possible. Me getting some help possible. Us helping survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind-control agendas possible. Us endeavoring to uh, continue to expand through the Fireplace Church and this podcast possible. And of course, the upcoming DID um, school where we're going to be teaching people how to deliver and minister to survivors of satanic ritual abuse and um, all kinds of related issues. So, you know, folks uh, at BrideMovement.com or TheFireplaceChurch.org, there are donate buttons. And of course, you can always write a letter to us at our P.O. Box and that is on our website. So I just want to say thank you for those of you that are continuing to support us. Um, man, uh, you are making dreams come true. And and with that said, I was at a conference this past weekend in Fort Worth, and it was not just me; it was me and a man by the name of Tim Benson or Timothy Benson, and he is an incredible man of God. And and so, um, two. Uh, presentations from the conference were live streamed i uh got permission from tim to take his which was only streamed to a limited number of people and put it on my podcast so that lots of you could hear it uh it was just an incredible uh talk an incredible message that he delivered last weekend you're gonna get the opportunity to hear it now don't go anywhere you're on discovering the truth with dan duvall
2: The mic's working. The worship was (laughs) working. I think heaven's in good shape. The mic stand won't go up, but that'll work. Sometimes I ask people don't know this when they when they meet me they they don't always understand this. But sometimes I ask Jesus, why am I here? it's not to, because i think less of myself than i should it's because i really i really honestly wonder that sometimes like why do you people need someone to tell you a word from the lord and and you know the the truth is the holy spirit should be our teacher and there's no one that can ever do what he can do but part of the design of God is he wants us to be a body and he just likes using one part of the body to help the other part of the body. But I don't carry anything and Daniel doesn't carry anything that not, that all of you don't have access to. Come on. You know, uh, we don't have a special, you know, classification where we have access to, you know, something from Jesus that you can't have. And <clears throat> everything with God comes from the place of buy gold for me without money and and the exchange, the currency that we're supposed to use is is our passion, our desire for more of Jesus, and that just releases phenomenal things that god has and it, and the our father has phenomenal pleasure in teaching us things about his son. You know? And the Holy Spirit just can't stand not talking about Jesus. You know? And then when you get to know Jesus, he's constantly referring glory and honor back to his Father, and he's always gracious of the, of the Spirit. And I'm, I'm in, really intrigued by something Dan said today about the mind of God and how they, they all three have this individual uh, capacity, and yet they're one. And for most of the early years of my life, I heard God speak very clearly, and I knew Jesus was talking to me. I really was like a little lamb that knew his voice. And I would melt every time that voice would utter something towards me. Um, And then one day, just kind of out of the blue... <clears throat> that voice changed, and I and I knew it was God, but I didn't know who it was. If that makes sense, it's like that doesn't sound like Jesus. And and I and I hear Jesus whisper in my ear, "That's my Father speaking." You know, <laughs> and uh, everybody in the room, we got a word that came out of the Father's voice, and 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 the instantaneous response from everybody in the room was to hit the floor to hide our face. Because he was in the room, you know? and then I I later also distinguished a tone change, a difference when the Holy Spirit was speaking. It was much softer, much different. A different. It was a it was a little different voice. He sounds a lot like Jesus, but it was a much more tender tone. And and uh, I started realizing that we do have the capacity to hear God, and they they. Are are one, but they, they can sound very differently if they want to make a distinction about themselves. You know? And those kinds of things don't come because you read it in Scripture and go, oh, that's there. It comes by experience, and then sometimes then we discover it in Scripture. You know? And so one thing I want to just kind of... Say I probably don't need to say this to this crowd, but because we're broadcasting, because others will probably listen to this, I want to say something. There's a lot coming out from the throne room of God right now. He's unlocked a mystery, and revelation is releasing. And some things we haven't even heard yet that other people around the earth are hearing. There's some profound revelation that is being released in the earth right now. We are in the generation that the prophets of old were begging to be in. They were crying out to God, Would you let me understand what you're going to do with them? You know, they got a glimpse of glory, and they longed to be living in our day. And post-resurrection Jesus, you know, they saw what he was going to have to endure. But they couldn't even fully imagine What the body was going to be like when it found out that God was alive and really resurrected and he arises within us. And we stand up and become mature and begin to look like him and act like him and be like him. And the earth will feel the change. Oh. you will know him in the power of his resurrection. It's not like, hey, if you do this, you will know him. It's because you have known him in his sufferings. It doesn't say you had a choice in that. Because your life went through stuff and you've known him in his sufferings, now you will know him in the power of his resurrection. Ooh. I told a brother this afternoon, you know, God loves us so much, He can't stand subjecting His sons and His daughters who are kings and queens to adversity. But He does. Because He knows When you're through going with that stuff, when you have endured and he has overcome something in you, it not only sets you free, nations become his inheritance. It's time for us to start thinking outside of this place of just little old me and something going on in my life, and I don't know how to figure it out. You're a king and you're a queen or you're a princess in the earth. And God, as a creator, does not subject you to adversity unless he is after something much bigger than you can even conceive. Deliverance. Oh, we cut our teeth on telling a demon to get out of an individual. And now, just a few decades later, realms are changing and structures that have been in of years are crumbling at the command of a little son of God. <laughs> the, the demonic structures of the earth knew this day was coming, and they endured as long as they could, and now they're just scared, so they can't even put into words when, the, how they think about some of you. <laughs> When I was a little child, I didn't know what I was saying. A, a teacher asked me one time, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I said, I'm not really sure, but hell is going to know my name. <laughs> and she was like, what does that mean? I said, I have no idea, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> I think I was in first grade, and I was just and didn't know how dangerous I was. <clears throat> And later, later the, the, Jesus just sat down one-on-one with me, and he's like, well, what do you think about what you said? What do you, what do you think that means? And I'm like, I don't know. You know. <laughs> it came out of my spirit. I hadn't thought about it. Nobody preached about it that I could remember. It came out of my spirit because it's who I am.
3: Yeah.
2: And I thought, well, I don't want to go to hell to introduce myself, but so how are they going to figure out who I am? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus had so much fun with that one. He was ribbing me all the time, like, you know, um, you, you ready for the fire yet? <laughs> I'm like, no, let's wait till I'm about 20, and then I'll talk to you about that. You know? And then it's like, I'm 20 now. I was like, you ready for the fire yet? No, let's wait till I'm about 30, and then we'll talk about that one, you know. So. <clears throat> I discovered at a tremendously tender age that Jesus' opinion of me was much greater than my own. I I really didn't think I was all that. You know, I I had really close friends that were a whole lot better looking than I was. I had some, uh, you know, five friends that could outrun me and were much better at football than I was, and and I really, in the outer appearance, in, in the, the things that, you know, am I smart or am I, you know, do I have some kind of superstructure that I could create? I I didn't have anything that I thought was going to excel, you know. I had some amazing people that I grew up with. I had some amazing parents. I had some amazing peers and, and, and spiritual um, mentors. But I really didn't look in the mirror and see anything significant,
3: you know.
2: And uh, I just thought it would be good enough if I could just live my life in obedience to Jesus as much as possible. You know? Didn't know if that meant five people would end up knowing me or if the world would ever know my name. You know? I didn't really care. What I cared about is that the creator of the universe knew my name. You know? And he called me by my name when I was only two years old. You know? Why did he do that? For many, many years, I didn't know why he did that. I didn't ask him. I wasn't seeking him. I was just playing in the backyard. Yeah. I want to say something very significant to you. It's one of the most important things you'll hear me say because of all that God does with me. I have a few places on the earth that are very special to me. It's not because they're greater than other places necessarily. It's just they're special to me, you yeah. know. And one of them is Fort Worth because I was born here. But that's not what makes it special. What makes it special is in a backyard of a little old house in Fort Worth, Jesus came down and swung on a swing set and spoke to me for the first time. And what you need to understand is that whenever he does something like that in a backyard and no one nearby knew what he did and no church in town perceived that the King of Glory was in town and no one that came out from the news media to say, where's he at, what's he saying? He did it with a child with no one witnessing it. But it creates an open heaven that he does not cloak. So in Fort Worth is an open portable for children to hear the voice of their maker. And I've never shut that door, and I know he never shut that door, so it's an open spot for something phenomenal to happen with children in this place. And adults can get on it too. If you think you're still a kid, you can get in on that too. <laughs> It wasn't because I was so special necessarily, it's because he thought, you know, I got my eyes on this city, and I'm looking to and fro, and I need to find somebody that will listen to me. And he probably went to the 80-year-olds, and one ear was deaf and one ear was open, and and they weren't listening. So then he probably went to all the pastors, and they weren't listening. And then he probably went to all the intercessors, and they listen sometimes and don't hear other times. And finally, he works his way down, and he finally finds a two or three or four or five-year-old who never wants to not listen. Because you know. <laughs> we're just kids. We don't care You know, Jesus shows up. It's like we, you think about it. No one had to tell me, hey, this afternoon you're going to have an encounter with the Most High God. Prepare yourself, you know. How do you prepare yourself to have a meeting with God? I don't know. I'm just going to go swing on the swing set. Yeah. I prepared myself with play. I prepared myself with joy. I prepared myself by looking around and thinking, "Wow, what a wonderful creation is around me." You know We don't understand worship. When we do it naturally, we only understand it when somebody says, Sing this song, play this instrument, do this thing. We call that worship. Worship is giving to Jesus whatever he wants. If he wants silence, that's worship. If he wants a sound, a shout, that's worship. So a little child sometimes has the capacity to do that because nobody told him they couldn't. That's right. And we don't get to hear this stuff because most of the time children don't tell us what happened in the backyard today. Because to them, especially to me, that was normal. Or after he got done talking. Oh, it's ghost maybe. No, (laughs) it's the Holy Ghost. (laughs) My backyard wasn't haunted. Jesus decided to open a portal over the city. And I didn't even know what a portal was until I saw it. But a fascinating little thing happened. It was my first introduction to realm. I thought, well, if, you know, I didn't see him. All I did was hear him. He just called me by name. He told me what my name meant, and he told me that he made me. And I'm like, well, if you made me, I have a few questions. You know, I, was a, I was a curious two-year-old. You know. and he's like, well, what do you, what's your question? I said, there was a little flower at my feet. It was about two inches high. And you know how when you swing on swing sets after a while, you, you, you kind of, there's just dirt here and grass there? In the middle of the dirt that had been plowed up by us swinging every day, this little flower had come up, and I was being really careful not to kick the flower as I was swinging, because it was beautiful. And I don't know, I never cared that much about flowers until that moment. But I said, if you're really the creator, if you made me, and you know, certainly you know my name, how did you make that flower? And I got a 15-minute botany lesson from the Creator yeah. that a two-year-old could understand. Wow. And it's never left me. You know, The wisdom that I got on how he made a flower has been profound all the days of my life. And that flower became really special. There wasn't any way I was going to kick that thing over because its bloom was a worship to him. And he opened up my ears so I could hear the song of the flower to him. And I realized that the earth was resonating with him in some way that nobody had ever told me. And so I I, I, I fell in love with that little flower. And the next day I got up and I ran outside to swing again, not knowing if he would be there or not, but just wanted to go talk to the flower again, and it was gone. It was completely gone. It wasn't just, you know, laying over, it was gone, you know. And I didn't see it again until I was six years old. When he took me into the heavenly realms and showed me how he creates things, and then gave me a field and said, this field belongs to you. I'm like, well, there's nothing here, you know. He's like, well, that's because you haven't been creating anything. This is your garden, but right now it's just a blank field. I said, well, nothing's growing here. He says, no, there is something growing here. Come with me. And he took me by the hand. Suddenly we were in the middle of the field, and there was that flower. He had taken it from the earth and moved it into another place where it would never die. Because I loved it. He decided to make it eternal because I loved it. And it's still growing to this day. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize that that was something that I needed to experience. But Jesus knew that would burst something in me. And I was like, "How does this work?" And then I saw <clears throat> the Garden of Eden, and I and He walked me through the Garden of Eden, and we He tutored me and. The question that came out today about Genesis 1 and 2, I asked a very similar question. You know, how come these two stories sound the same? They're not. You know, where is the Garden of Eden? A realm. Some realms exist because God created them, some are being made because we need to make them. Some have been created for nefarious reasons and we need to bring them to an end and transfer title back over to him. But I discovered that the reason God created the garden wasn't just so he could put man there. It was so he could show man how to create. And we lost more than just access to that place when Adam sinned. We lost... The wisdom that he had that didn't get imparted to the next generation. And then we got another level of really big problem because the earth began groaning and travailing. And, and it witnessed the death that was in man who was walking on it. And no one knew how to make it stop groaning. And Jesus gave us a tremendous promise when he said, you can bring that to change. And he said to me, you love that flower, but the reason I birthed in you this love for the creation is because you're going to bring a change to the grown in the earth. On, yeah. All right, how do I do that, Jesus? Yeah. Well, your feet have to get holy. Whoa. <laughs> Come on. You're going to have to learn some things about sonship. You're going to have to know Daddy God because he's the only one that can make you a son. Oh, how do I know him? Well, that's pretty simple. Next thing I know, Jesus grabs me by the hands and he swings me around and an angel grabs my feet and they start swinging me back and forth in play, you know? And I'm just, I'm just like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> you know, It's like, hey, this, these kinds of encounters in the glory realm, I didn't get to talk about for a long time. But they were daily experiences.
3: Yeah.
2: And, you know, when Jesus has got you by the hands and an angel's got you by the feet and you have no idea if this is really play or not, and you're, not like, <laughs> you're not like, thank you guys for swinging me. I'm like, I'm more, it's more like you're, you're suspended over creation in a way you've never known. Wow. And then they threw me and it was like, have you ever been a rocket ship? I know what a rocket ship feels like. Because they threw me at supersonic speed. Wow. And you're like, you know, at six years old, when you're flying through the universe at supersonic speed, what are you going to do? It's not like you can say, stop. You know, I got no brakes on this rocket. I don't know why they threw me. I don't know where I'm going, but there's a dark cloud up there and I don't like the look of what's ahead. And there's thunders and lightnings and there's some freaky, scary stuff in front of me and I'm flying into it so fast I can't stop. But it was the cloud that Father God dwells in. Who wasn't one who wouldn't want that? I didn't want that, but I had no choice. I'm flying through the space to go there. Because my desire said, I want to know father. And they're like, okay, we'll throw you in the cloud. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know what you ask for until you utter something stupid like that. And then he answers it with a holy response. I didn't know that was in scripture that he dwells in a dark cloud until I read it later. <laughs> You know, we don't pay attention in Sunday school all the time. We just read right past these stories and think, oh, yeah, you know, this cloud descended down the mountain. That's cool. They must have had a fog. No, it was frightening. The earth shook all over the earth. <laughs> it was a scary sight. They didn't even want to get close to it. It was so frightening. I told Moses, don't let him do that again. You go up there and talk to him and then tell us what he said. <laughs> Do you want to you go into the glory? <laughs> Not many say yes. So let me say something to you very boldly. You have as much of Jesus right now as you want. You have experienced as much of God right now as you have asked for. <laughs> Quit valuing other people's glory stores and go get some of your own. <laughs> I mean I don't mind sharing with you what I've been but quit listening to me and Dan and others like us and go get some of your own there are realms that haven't been discovered yet and I need to hear what you can come up with <laughs> go into the cloud of God you think oh this will be fun I can make a six tape series out of this encounter with Father God no, I'm just six years old thinking, I'm going to die. I'm not going to see the earth again. <laughs> and I'm, the only scripture I could remember about Father God was, as I'm flying through space at supersonic speed, was no one can see God and live. <laughs> and I'm like, but, I'm, but I've already been thrown. And when Jesus throws you, there's really no going back. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You've thrown me to my death. It's not the kind of death that I thought. It's not the kind of death I had heard preached. It's a death that took me, took from me every desire I had for anything in the world. It took from me everything I thought that I could do with my own life. It took from me everything that had ever crossed my path, that I could do something with my own strength or my own power, or I could become some kind of a great person in the earth. It took from me every desire I had to be anything that God did not want me to be. I died in that cloud nothing on the earth mattered to me anymore. Nothing had value outside of Jesus. (laughs) That wasn't so bad. I didn't see God in a way that I thought I just landed on something and then I realized I'm sitting on Father God's lap. And that sounds really easy and really cool when I say it now. And I can't even put into words anything that can do this justice. But I can tell you I thought the DNA in my body was going to fly apart. Wow. I literally was shaking to the level that I thought every single piece of me that it's holding together is going to fly apart. Because His majesty and His glory and His holiness cannot be put into words. And the word says, by his hands, all things are held together that have been made. And I suddenly, when I thought, I can't take one more moment of this, I'm going to literally fly apart into a million pieces. And all of a sudden, there's his hands holding me together. He compressed my physical being back into something that could be still and know him. And that's all I heard said at first was, Be still and know that I am God. And suddenly I realized I'm not going to fly apart. He's holding me together. And then he pulled me to his chest. And I felt his heartbeat. (laughs) And I can't describe it. It's like... The sound of thunder and a shake, like an earthquake happened every time it went boom, boom. You know. And everything in me resonated with it and, and, and reverberated with it. But I felt my head on his chest and I felt the heartbeat. And I then began to feel my own heart and I was not beating in resonance with him. My heart had a different beat than His. And he pulled me closer and held me tighter, and my physical heart moved in my body. It went about three or four inches to the right, and then it went about three or four inches to the left. I felt it move in my body in a way that I don't think is physically possible. And then it came back to its place and went still for a moment. I lost my breath, and I lost my heartbeat. And I felt dead. I felt like I could never be as holy as the one that was holding me. And then he uttered my name. And he said my name like no one on the earth had ever uttered it before. It had a sound in it. It had life in it. It had power in it. The meaning of my name came rolling off of his lips. Timothy. Chosen. Of God. He's, he said, I love you. You're a keeper. And suddenly my heartbeat goes. Bum, bum. It's like, you know, those electrical things they put on you. Uh, he resuscitated me with my own name. But when he began beating again, my heart was beating in the same rhythm as his. I went, what's happening right now? What are you doing to me? He said, I'm giving you my heart. From now on, you're going to know what makes me laugh, and you're going to know what makes me weep, and you're going to become like my son, and you'll come back here often, and you have permission to come into the cloud whenever you want me, because I can't stand Another moment in heaven without you. Now that's a level of love that no one had ever given me. My mom and dad loved me. My brother loved me. I had some friends, but I had never felt love like that. Where the one that makes you says, I can't stand another moment in my creation without you being near me. That's not a realm just to go learn something in. That's where I want to live because he's there and he wants us to be near him. The New Testament, Jesus said he appointed these apostles. He names a few of them. He says he appointed them to be with him. Oh, you read the books. People put out books. Apostles are sent and they start churches and they're CEOs and stuff. That's a bunch of bunk. They're appointed to be with Jesus. They might do those things, but if they don't, they're still with Jesus. And that's better than anything you'll ever see them do. 99% of what apostles do, the earth witnesses, but no one, no one knows what that was. They don't publish it. They don't take credit for it. It's something with Jesus that releases power in the earth. And you don't even know the power that you're walking in might have been because someone else did that with Jesus. That's real apostolic power. It's grace we need more of. And every city has the permission to ask for it. But when men come in, and women come in, and they're sent like that, you won't see what God really sent them there to do. You'll witness the outer appearance, or you'll witness the teaching of the revelation, but you won't really see what they were born to do. Because that is hidden in Christ, so you can have it openly. They will do it in secret. We need to start learning God's ways. Most of the prophets in old, the scriptures describe them as moving in and out of these spiritual encounters with God. And we read right past them when we don't realize what happened to the earth when that person experienced that thing. Heaven's opened, angels came down, creation responded. Sometimes somebody got healed. Sometimes somebody got delivered. Sometimes they just got a word to go tell somebody. Nations changed. Armies were defeated. Kingdoms rose and came down at the command of a little oh. who is they. Because Jesus opened up his power and allowed somebody to be with him for a moment. And those moments released something eternal in the earth. Now, here's what's amazing. Those places where every person written in Scripture had an encounter with God and they told us something about it, they're still there. Those spots are still there. And those portals are still open. And the realms that they touched or created are still available to visit. But we've been taught to come in here and sit and listen to a sermon instead of get in the glory and find out what God does. And I, I don't despise church or sermons. Please don't misunderstand me. I cherish people who are called of God, and every activity we're doing for the kingdom has value. But I would rather teach you how to encounter God in a way that no one else ever has instead of just let me tell you a few stories and you think I'm a cool person. Does that make sense? So how do we, let me just rephrase this. What is your purpose in life? My purpose is to create a, way, a realm that's so amazing and so wonderful, Jesus doesn't want to leave it. Okay. Let me say that again. Did you hear what I just said? He, he's already has the capability of doing that. But I want to do that in a way that when he, when he walks into that realm, which he always does if we're doing things his way, he's like, this is so amazing, I don't want to leave. You know? Not because I want to outdo any of you, because he has the capacity to be in my realm and yours at the same time.
3: You know?
2: That's what's amazing about Jesus. I don't want to create a realm that's just a secret place for he and I. I want to create a realm that somehow will touch the nations of the earth and he will tutor me in that place how they become his inheritance. You know, it's not just a revelation. It's like a flower went from a backyard of Fort Worth to the heavenly realms and became eternal. Can I do that with a nation Jesus? Come on. Well, yes. How does it work? Well, let me show you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. When we ask the right question, Jesus shows up with an answer that is off the charts. We've been taught to listen to somebody else's agenda on what they think is important for us to know instead of let's open up the desire of our hearts and start asking God questions that no one else ever thought of. This is the, the ancient way of teaching was to sit down with the students and say, what do y'all want to learn? And a real master or tutor knew a lot of stuff, but his real grace was not to tell you what he knew. His real grace was to hear the question and then direct the child to the answer. That's different from saying, okay, let me tell you what the answer to that question is. The word of God was written so that scholars could hear a question and then say, know the word well enough to say, you'll find that answer in Leviticus 23. Well, I know the answer, but I would rather direct you to it because when you discover it, it becomes yours. When I tell you what it is, it's mine. See the difference? A wise guy told me a long time ago when the when the student is ready and asks the right question, the teacher comes. And I thought, that's not the way grade school is working in my city. I'm asking questions all the time that my teachers are getting upset with me about. I almost never get answers from them. But I cannot think of anything I've ever asked Jesus that he didn't answer. He didn't always answer it immediately. But he never forgets something that I ask, and he brings the answer to me. Or he takes me and leads me to the answer. Most of the time, it doesn't come out of his mouth. Most of the time, he just acknowledges that he heard me, and then he brings experiences in my life, and I go, wow, I get it now. You just answered my question with what you just sent me through. The Word of God has come alive for me because I can't just read it now. I have to live it out. If I read it and I get it, I've got to go live it out. If I don't get it, I read it again because I know I need to live it out. So I want to encourage you for something. Would you guys like to know how to build a realm? I've never talked about this before. (laughs) It's the right time. It's time. I touched on this just briefly about imagination. about And, and I used a term I want to say again. It's time for the body of Christ to sanctify our imagination.
3: On,
2: wow. yeah. Now, think about things like, you know, you, you're growing up, you hit puberty, and you start thinking about that cute girl over there. Or you, you're driving down the street, and you see something really amazing, and you think, oh, I've got to go check that out. Uh, Or, you know, you want a house, so you start driving through neighborhoods looking at houses. We use our imagination all the time, but we most of the time are using it for something earthly or something carnal. It's not always sinful. It's part of our design, but it's it's beneath the glory of God. It's falling short of his glory. And so we've been taught to do this. Sometimes it's just natural, nobody actually tutored us in it. We're just doing it because it's part of our makeup. But we're not really schooled most of the time in our childhood how this is pure and holy and how this can be defiled. You know? If we let our imagination, which is usually just within our self, if we let it go unchecked, it will probably become very defiled in some way.
3: You know?
2: I'm just going to mention two things that are very popular, not as the only way it can be defiled, but because they're very common and they're a prevalent problem. I just want to say this. All of you know the complexity of what I'm about to say. But pornography, would you admit, is a horrible problem that is running rampant in the earth right now.
3: Okay.
2: And pornography, when it's just in front of your face, when it's just a picture of something that's, unho- that's uh, you know really not right, uh, that is not... Just a photo, that's a person that God considers a son or a daughter. And it brings a a shame in the heavenly realms, because the angel that's assigned to that person will hide their face in the heavenly realms. It's not condemnation. There's an angel assigned to every child, and that angel is hiding its face in the glory of because of the nakedness that is being lusted after on the earth. That's someone's daughter, that's someone's child, and that's someone precious to God, and that angel knows that that child was born to be holy. So it hides its face because it, it, it witnesses in the heavens what's wrong on the earth. but there's another form of pornography that's not a photo it's just books that are written to cause a fantasizing or romanticizing of things you wish would happen and a a romance novel for many women is much worse than some of the pictures men are looking at because it's tapping your imagination for something that God might not be giving to you and if you feed that You are destroying the creatability that God has given to your imagination and you are diverting it into something that can be trapped in a realm and your spirit can be utilized in a wrong way and you don't even know it. It's a door opening for the enemy in ways that we don't even understand. And often we condemn it in one way and then don't even realize another way that we're doing it is just as bad. Because I may not be reading something nasty or naked. I may just be reading about, you know, this prince married this princess. And oh, isn't this wonderful? But if it taps my imagination and sets the desire on something God did not design for me, it's just as bad as if it was just a blade-open, wide, naked picture. Because it's carnal thinking carnal is not necessarily sinful carnal is anything that is not what God would think does that make sense I'm going to say something real boldly women you have the power to arrest this pornography spirit in the earth and stop it if you will burn the, the romance novel and fall in love with Jesus the way you're looking for the prince you know and Men will come under the holy conviction from God if women will respond to Jesus the way He wants His bride to respond. Thank you, Does that make sense? Yes. You know, quit telling the men they're so bad, and you're doing the same thing. Fall in love with Jesus. Go into the heavens. Let Him become everything your desire is yes. set on. Thank you, you know. yes. And if He's designed a guy for you, He'll direct you that direction. You know. What do we desire? What we desire most of the time, we set our affections on something, and then if we're trying to be spiritual, we tell God we want him to do that. You know? We don't go to God and say, what do you want me to desire? We go to our friends and say, oh, I wish I had a big, you know, six-foot-two blonde guy, you know. And we start desiring that, and we tell, then we tell Jesus, bring me that, you know. Instead of Jesus, you designed me and you made me and you know me. What do you want me to desire? I'm going to set my affections on things above. And I'm going to let him birth in me the desires of my heart. If you seek first the kingdom of God, then he will give you the desires of your heart. We heard that preached in you know, the 80s and 90s, that if you do this, then he will do that. And, and it was preached wrong because it was preached, if you give God this, you can desire that big house and he'll give it to you. You can desire that Rolls Royce and he'll give it to you. That's not what that scripture says. It says if you seek first the kingdom, he will give you your desire. means he will put in your spirit what he wants you to desire. And when you start desiring what he wants, you're creating a realm in the heavenly realm. As soon as you begin to desire what he wants you to desire, his creative ability is released in your spirit. You don't know that. You're just thinking how wonderful it would be to have that. And you don't realize, until he starts tutoring you in it, that the moment you desire... Something he desires, heaven and earth just came into agreement, and that releases power in the heavenly realms. And Jesus just loves it. He throws a party, and he says, got another one. They know how to do it now. But when you start seeing your desire manifesting in the heavenly realms, when he takes you there and he starts showing you how that flower that you fell in love with has now been planted here and has become eternal, and you go, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know you would do that for me. You know? Well, why wouldn't he? You know? But now it's like, I'm like, well, Jesus, how can I plant other things? I mean, what am I supposed to do in these cells? He said, go ask your flower. Oh, I didn't didn't realize that flowers could talk all the time until I heard Jesus' voice. It sounds a little crazy when you're talking about it to carnal-minded people, but let me tell you something, all of creation has a voice. (laughs) It's not just a tone, it's a voice. the language that God created the universe with when he spoke is known by all of creation. We knew it somewhere back there and forgot. You know. <laughs> we think English is better than what he started with. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, some of you have heard me talk about. It. I'm, I'm working on some stuff with the original language. I'm. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to learn the ancient scripts you know i'm trying to learn the language and, and and it's been about a 15 year journey so far for me but a while back i'm really struggling with trying to learn this ancient language and 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 i i said jesus i need your help i i'm, I'm really not good at learning language i need you to help me i wished i was two or three and you were talking to me about this stuff i could probably just pick it up like that you know? And he laughed, and I'm like, why are you laughing? This is a serious question. He goes, well, I was just thinking about all the times that I've spoke to you since you were two years old. I was like, oh, Jesus, it's so pre- That is the most precious gift in my life. You, you have opened my ears and you opened my eyes. How I love your voice. Like the sound of many waters, I just I just began to worship Him. I love the sound of your voice, Jesus. He goes, I know, I know. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing that all the years that I've spoke to you, <laughs> I've always spoke to you in English. And he said, Son, I want you to know something. I don't even like English.
3: <laughs>
2: I went, what? What's wrong with you? How come you don't like English? No. The whole earth is supposed to be talking that, right? <laughs> He's like, I, I don't really even talk, like talking to you English. I, I've only done that because it was the only way you could hear me. Yeah. He said, I want you to know when I talk to you in English and you think you got a profound revelation and you think you know it and sometimes I've said something to you and the next day you went out and preached it. <laughs> He's like, you only comprehended about half of 1% of what I actually said to you. Whoa. You're, you're comprehending in English less than what your dog does when you're speaking to her.
3: You
2: know. So I went, my, you know, sometimes my dog, uh, I think, you know, does not have the capacity for any language. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, what a rebuke. Like, that's kind of mean, Jesus. You just called me a dog, you know. <laughs> He's like, no, this is about comprehension. Even though I'm speaking to you and you're hearing clearly every word I said, when you apply it to your life, you only comprehend it. A very small fraction of what I was actually conveying to you. He said, what what I'm laughing at is, it's just kind of funny to me that all these years that you've known me, you've never once asked me if, if I would like to talk to you in my language. wow wow that's it's true I never even thought about it I just thought you liked talking to me in English <laughs> he said well you know a few times you've come up in the heavenly realms and you've heard us talking and we weren't talking in English I'm like yeah I thought that was tongues or something <laughs> sometimes it is but he said, I want you to understand this language, but before I wanted to give you a capacity to learn it, I wanted you to love the utterance of my voice, and I want you to give me permission to speak to you the way I really want to speak to you. I'm going to start speaking to you with the same tones and the same frequencies and the same language I use to create the universe. Uh, oh... That sounds cool, but I I know I'm not going to be able to preach that for a long time. (laughs) I don't know what, I won't know what it means unless you give me the capacity to know. It's like, what's wrong is not that it's better than English. What's wrong is you never desired it. You never desired to converse with me in the language that I use to create the universe. And now you're begging me to let you speak that to let you read that. I gave that desire to you. But I just think it's a little funny that you could have had this when you were 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. That journey and that revelation is changing my life in many ways, and I don't want to get into that today, but... Uh, he started dealing with me about creating a realm. And I realized that for most of my childhood, Jesus would just show up. He would take me by the hand, and we would go into some other dimension or some other spot. And I usually had no idea where we were going. I usually was not controlling it. I wasn't saying, can we go to Mars today? And then he'd take me to Mars. I was doing what he wanted to do. And my experiences and encounters in the spiritual realm was almost a daily uh, event or a nightly event. Somehow I was still sleeping. Somehow I was still getting schoolwork done. Somehow I was still having some kind of a connection to a normal life. But he was profoundly affecting my spirit with his world more than mine. And for 22 years, I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't even share the testimonies of what I learned last night out there in the heavenly realms. <clears throat> I knew that I didn't understand many of the things that I was experiencing, so it just birthed in me this insatiable desire to ask questions. You know. I, I mean, Jesus, I, I I probably have wore out Jesus's ears with questions. You know. <laughs> And angels often look at me like I'm crazy when I'm when i when I should understand this, but I'm saying I don't know what y'all are doing. Tell me what this is. And they always look at it like you know, <laughs> no, I don't know. You know, well, you know, well and then they will do it again, and and then they will slow it down and. Begin to take it apart and show me the pieces and the facets. And it starts making sense. When, but, w- but what has to happen is our carnal mind has to have a revolutionary shift. Yeah. Because we're not, we're not tutored with the capacity to comprehend that. So let me just give you a quick example. Before I learned how to build a realm, God had to do something massive in my spirit to give me the ability to even endure the process. Oh, it sounds fun when you're just testifying about it, but when you start experiencing it, the, the entry of it is not always fun. You know? Think about how early you were. How, just raise your hand if, you, if your first experience with fear happened before you were three years old. Okay? Quite a few of it. Now, fear doesn't always have to be an evil thing. Sometimes something wonderful can happen, but it's just you have no grid for it. It's not in your experience chapter, so it's just overwhelming. The heavenly realms, the first time you begin to see them is like that. So just let me give you a scriptural example of that. I had this (coughs) creature that kept showing up in my bedroom when I was about seven years old. He would take up the entire room. My bed would often move when he would just show up. And he was frightening. And I knew Jesus well enough by seven to know that if something was scaring me, I needed to rebuke it in Jesus' name and tell it to leave. So I did that a half a dozen times. And and he would look at me kind of funny and then disappear. And i was like, Whatever demon that was, he's gone. You know, And then he'd come back again the next night. Never harmed me, never threatened me, just was frightening the sight of it because I'd never seen a creature like that before. And then one day, Jesus said to me, I need to fix something in you. You're seeing a lot of things in the spiritual realm and you're thanking me for opening your eyes and your ears, but I need to fix something in you. And if you'll make this one adjustment, I'll show you so much more. And I'll tutor you in my ways. I said, whatever that is, let's do that. He said, don't ever gaze into the spiritual realm and fix your attention on anything until you know where I am and you can find me. He said, I'm always near. If you come through this veil, I'm always there. I never leave you or forsake you. So if you'll just look around, you'll find me. Whatever I'm looking at, whatever I'm doing, just do that. And then I'll tutor you in a way that's phenomenal. And I was like, well, I have a problem, Jesus. I have this creature that's showing up almost every night, and, and you're not there. <laughs> you know, if you're there, I'm not seeing you. This thing's taking up the whole bedroom. And he's like, he laughed. He's like, I'm there. I'm standing behind you. So he said, next time it comes, just turn around and find me. And I did. So the next night, it showed up again, and my whole bed moved, and the thing just kind of, you know, looked like Java the hut, you know, just kind of settled down and moved everything around in my bedroom. And I looked around, and there's Jesus standing right behind me. I'm like Jesus. You know, would you tell that thing to leave and and not every, I'm tired of dealing with this every night. Would you tell this thing? I mean, I've been telling it to go in your name, and it goes. And he's like, "Why would you tell that to go?" I'm like, "Cause it's some kind of hideous demonic thing. I want it out of here. I don't want it to come every night." He said, "That's one of the four living creatures that's mentioned in Revelation." <laughs> he's like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah, he's full of eyes and, you know, he said, just go read it. It's in the Word. (laughs) Oh, it's the ox. (laughs) I didn't know it was an ox in the Revelation. I thought it was some hideous creature because it was something I've never seen before. And so the first problem with the spiritual realm is you're going to experience something you don't have a foundational grid for. You've never seen anything like this before. You probably won't even be able to put it into speech. It will scare the bejesus out of you. And so you'll have to deal with fear before you can go any deeper. And then when you begin to cast out fear, perfect love casts out fear. When you begin to deal with that, the next tool you need to add is discernment. So I need, I need this, you know, massive impartation of discernment because I was about to take down a living creature. <laughs> and I was just stupid enough at seven to believe that I could. <laughs> I mean, I was getting ready to pull a sword out and take that thing's head off if it didn't stop coming into my bedroom. And he was there to bless me. Okay. So I'm like, well, what's the ox for? Well, his primary job is to gaze at my face night and day. So what you think is a hideous creature is one of the facets of my face. It's what I look like in my glory. Wow. But you've never seen me like that, so you want to get rid of it instead of saying, I want to know you like that. Wow. And he said, you've got a really good hearing capability I've gifted you, but I would like to open your eyes. That thing has many eyes. He sees every realm that I have created. Wow, wow I need to get to know him. <laughs> he said, Bless him in my name. Thank him for coming here. I'm standing here with you. Don't be afraid. Bless him. Thank him for coming here and ask him to accomplish what I sent him to do. And when I did that, he looked at me and he goes, <clears throat> and then charged right at me and went inside my spirit somehow. You know? I went, I didn't know I could hold that thing but I just somehow my spirit just enlarged Java the hut is inside there now and it's not a demon it's a creature that looks at the face of God night and day, after day after day, he never takes his face off of Jesus the living creatures are described in very odd ways, there's an eagle, there's a a lion, there's an ox, and there's a man. But they are centered around Jesus on his throne, and one's there, and one's there, and one's there, and one's there. And the reflection, what they look like, is what he looks like from that perspective. Wow. Oh, yeah. They are gazing at him until they have become like him. And they taught me that if you don't take your eyes off of Jesus, you will become like him. Whatever you look at, whatever you set your affection towards, you will become. So if you set your desires on things below, you will become that. If you set your desires on things above, and that's all you're talking about, and that's all you're looking at, that's what you will create, and that's what you will become. The ox taught me that. Yeah, don't put your eyes, don't, don't let anything that doesn't love Jesus capture your eyes. Make a covenant with your eyes to look at the face of Jesus until you become like Him. Now, I was a teenager. I was just pubing, you know? <laughs> and I'm walking down the hall and all these good-looking girls in their miniskirts, I'm doing this, and I'm saying, Jesus, where are you? <laughs> You're beautiful, but get out of my way. I'm looking for Jesus. I don't want to set my eyes on you. I want to see Jesus. And if he has one of you for me, I'll find her in him. (laughs) Well, that made me a little different from the average teenager in my school. All the other guys were like, you are crazy. What are you doing? That girl likes you. How come you won't talk to her? I don't know if Jesus knows her or not. I don't know if she's more in love in Jesus than she could ever be with me, and until I hear that from Him, I'm not even interested in knowing who she is. Unless I'm just witnessing and spreading the good news, that's different. I don't want to be a little hermit hiding in a room. I want to do whatever He's doing. I want to say whatever He's saying. I want to be like Him. Whatever you look like is what you will become. So we want to create a realm. But you don't want a realm to have just a space. You want a realm, and the secret to the realm is it's a part of Jesus. So Jesus is still growing and expanding, and he's full of all kinds of things we don't understand. We only picture him in our understanding from Scripture. It was a, it was a guy born as a baby. He grew up. He was a man. He had a robe. He you know, must have had a beard or something, and he died on the cross. And then if you ever see him in his glory, you don't recognize him because he doesn't look like the picture hanging on some of your walls. His eyes are described like fire. Out of his tongue is a sword of his mouth. When you read what he looks like in Revelation, if he showed up in your city, you wouldn't know it was Jesus. And yet he's full of creation. All of creation is somehow within him. You know, he's not the little old man, six foot tall, curly hair with a beard now. He's sitting on a throne that's so massive you can't see the top of it. His, the earth is his footstool, that means he's got some big toes now, not the little old guy that used to walk around in a Jewish robe. (laughs) He's coming back to the earth like that. And our imagination often only sees him the way some artists drew him on a picture that we put on a wall. And you need to get a perspective of what Jesus actually looks like and acts like because we're supposed to be like him. So before you create a realm, let me just ask you this question. How big is your spirit? Our brothers said our spirit goes way back there longer than our soul, or our human existence. Before the foundations of the world, he knew me, so how big is your spirit? The word says, "Does it not? I sit on the right hand of God." Does it say that? Yes. And somehow, that throne is big enough to hold all of us. <laughs> mm. It's not we're, fight, we're not fighting over who can be closest to him. We all have access to Him in that realm. Yes. Mm. But if I'm going to sit in the heavenly realms with him, and he's so big, the earth is his footstool, how big is your spirit? You have the capacity right at this moment, without knowing anything, just because you know Jesus, to sit in the heavenly realms with him, and be here in this room at the same time. How big is your spirit? Who are you? The way you create a realm is just fix your eyes on him and do whatever he's doing. And he will birth in you a desire. It might have a distinction to it that nobody else has or has ever thought of. He will give you something unique because he loves you just being with him. And he wants to show you how to do what he does. But what you desire can manifest in the heavenly realms. And if we start seeing our desires there first, then he will show us how to transfer that creative power into the earth and we can have it in both places. (laughs) I wanted a house and for 40 years he wouldn't let me buy a house or build one until I learned how to build one in the heavenly realms. And when I learned how to build a house in the heavenly realms, and he and I put the last nail in it, then he let me go out and buy a house to move my family into. That's how he wants to work with all of us. But we've been doing this backwards. We think we're supposed to live in the mansion here as much as possible, and then one day we're going to get a mansion over there. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Have you built yours? Mine was actually a treehouse. I didn't want a little old house like everybody else had. I want the tallest tree in the heavenly realms I could find, and I wanted a treehouse that gave me a perspective that I could not always see what he was doing. So I have a treehouse like no, nothing I've ever seen on the earth. And then once you get one thing in that, in that spot, he starts showing you how that becomes a catalyst to burst something else that you didn't know needed to be there. What's amazing is after about a year, I had a a, this you know thousand foot tall tree with a a, a tree house that is bigger than any mansion you've ever seen on the earth, and and it's like I can see the universe from that spot. And then I I I thought, well, gee, I like the sound of water. I don't have any water sounds. I'm up here in this tree, and the birds are singing, and that's wonderful. I, I love the sound of water. I love the ocean. And the moment I said that, an ocean appeared in my field. Wow. Wow. How did that happen, Jesus? Well, you, you said you wanted it. You want, do you want me to take it away? No, I love it. You know, and, and I just jumped out of the house and into the ocean. And I thought, this needs a waterfall. So, you know. I, 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 he's like well you, I didn't know you wanted a waterfall now that you've said that you know I want you to create that and I was like well I can't just have a waterfall coming out of nothing I was like well, how, how do I get the waterfall he said well pull the earth up like a mountain you know? so I just reached down grabbed a hold of some rocks and pulled them up about 2000 feet till I could have a waterfall I thought, wow I didn't know we could do that that's really cool he's like well this is how I created the earth It's simple you guys, it's just having fun with Jesus. If we would teach this to kids, the earth would change in about ten years. Because by the time they were grown up, they would just shake the whole earth with power. All right, I hear you. Facebook, I'm sorry, you got five minutes left and we're shutting it down. Walking in freedom is not walking out of darkness. It's walking into God's light. Now, I I absolutely believe we need to understand more about bringing down the demonic structures and getting people free in these regions of captivity. And most of that that's, that God is revealing revelational right now is stuff we didn't even know was going on. We didn't even know what it was that was holding us. A lot of stuff is things that we are, uh, hey, we've done self-inflicted. Yeah. But for the most part, where people are really stuck right now, it's something that's happened, and you don't even have a clue how to get free of it. You don't even know you need to get free of it. You just know you have a problem. You don't know why. To ask for freedom is to be delivered from something that is holding us in shackles, but the real journey into freedom is into Jesus, not out of darkness.
3: Does
2: that make sense? He comes into the darkness to rescue you and I. And when light comes, what happens to darkness? It is dispelled. It flees. If you have a demon problem, and you know it they're manifesting they're afflicting you in some way you actually have a father God problem now I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad just listen to me before you deal with the demon the word says submit to God then resist the devil and he will flee from you most of the time we are resisting the devil and resisting the devil and resisting the devil and still not getting free of all the structures that he's created in our lives but the problem we have is we don't realize, where am I not submitted to God? You
3: know?
2: This is why most of the time when you go through some personal deliverance, you might have to repent for a few things. You might have to deal with some stuff. Sometimes we need to repent for some things we don't even know we did. You know? Because sometimes it is the previous generation. It is stuff that's binding us, in, or the, this stuff that that um, <clears throat> It's complicated. But demons don't leave because I figure it out. They leave because, Father, God changes something. Yeah. And so when I go to him and I ask him, why do I have this problem? What this guy is really good at is he asks God questions. He asks the Holy Spirit, tell me what, what's going on in this person's life. And Jesus wants to answer those questions. It's not to get rid of the demon, even though that's one of the benefits. It's to be, help you become what you were born to be. getting rid of the demonic structure is amazing and fun and wonderful and we can have a party doing that but the real joy is being free to be what I was created to be and so if you got rid of a demon but you didn't get to know Father God better you fell short of something you had the ability to do so here's, I shut your eyes for a minute and let's just create a realm and then we're going to shut down I'm going to do this in one minute and then we're going to shut this down just shut your eyes right now. In Jesus' name, say this with me. Say, We submit to you, Father, as our Father and Creator. We submit to you, Father, as our Father and Creator. I acknowledge to you that I am your son or your daughter. I acknowledge to you that I am your daughter. And I ask you, and I you. In, Jesus name, in Jesus' name, would you adopt me? Would you put your name on me? Would you take out the scroll that you wrote when you created me? Would you roll it out in front of your eyes? Would you read it to everyone in the heavenly realm? realm? And tell them to rejoice over me. me. Because I am fearfully a wonderful maid. I was born to be like you. I I exist because I'm a joy to you. You find great pleasure when you call out my name. name. And I have some things that I'm falling short of your glory. It's glory. It's not the way you made me. Would you deliver me from that? And would you write in my spirit now with your own finger the way you wrote on the rocks for Moses. Would you write your word in my spirit? Would you put your name on my forehead? Would you inscribe my name on your hand? And put yourself in constant remembrance of me and what you wanted when you made me. And now, and now I ask you in Jesus' name, you in Jesus name everything, you desired, everything you desired, everything you were thinking about when you made me, everything you wanted when you created me, let it be in Jesus' name. I agree with all that you have wanted and desired. I agree, with all wanted. I agree with everything you have said when you call out my name. I agree with everything you said when you call out my name. And I call heaven and earth to agree with you in this. And I call, and I call heaven and earth to agree with you in this. I am your inheritance. I am your inheritance. Now, Jesus, now, Jesus. I belong to your Father. Stand on your throne and dance and rejoice over me. And and rejoice. Shake the earth with my name. Set the party loose in heaven over your love for me. And let your light shine in every part of my being. With your song and your dance, set me free from anything that has kept me from being like you. With your song and your dance, set me free from anything that has kept me from being like you. And I give you back my thanksgiving. I give, my thanksgiving. I give you my heart. I give my heart. And I swear an oath before heaven and earth that I will live my life to honor you. And everything that is me, me. from now through eternity, eternity. let it be given to you as an inheritance, as a glorious possession that causes your joy to break out. Now, just turn around and look at the earth now. And say to the earth, "Here, O earth, here, earth. I'm, only here I'm only here for a short time, but while I'm here, you will rejoice from this hour at the sound of my feet. Of my feet. You, will you will rejoice over me because I am a son or a daughter of the Most High. And I'm going to walk upon you and I'm going to look like him. And I'm going to act like him. And I'm going to be like him. And heaven and earth will come into agreement everywhere I go. Now darkness. Chains of captivity. Realms that Jesus did not want. In Jesus' name, break. Loose me, and let me go. Loose me and let me go. He decrees it. He decrees it. Jesus, says, Jesus says, I am free. I am free. I'm in. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. We're going to close. That was a good way to end. We're going to close, but not end, if that makes sense. Um, go home tonight when you get alone before you go to sleep do that again in your own words Come on. Yeah. just reword that any way you want to because Jesus will like it yeah. Okay. Yeah. and then ask him to give you a dream okay. and in the dream to help you understand more about yourself that he created
3: okay.
2: by the time you wake up If you remember the dream, you'll have it whether you remember it or not. But when you wake up, if he gave you something you've never seen or understood about yourself, wake up and dance in front of him before you let your feet hit the floor with a dance before him. He loves us to wake up like he wakes up. I'm tired of seeing people wake up and just can't stand to get up and go to work. We ought to be rejoicing over another day to live in the kingdom of God. All right, so let your joy release in the morning. Okay, Weeping sometimes in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And nothing brings more joy than to know what God says about us. You know? Then go do what you're normally going to do but while you're doing it just tell Jesus let's create that realm today Mm. you don't have to master it in one day but you'll start doing it Mm -hmm. And, and don't ever forget my desire has power with God and I expect this city to change from the people in this room right now
0: Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us, and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and God speed.